This is the third and final dram of So-Called Civilized. Stay tuned at the end for the epic conclusion to the March to the Scaffold. Uh, that is actually a big problem. Upper mobility for minorities is an unfortunate issue. It is. It really is. It really is. And and uh, I made the joke and immediately felt bad about it. No, I mean, no, that's why I stopped laughing. That's why I stopped laughing. Right? Yeah. Um, but so, but at the same time, like if you're a native, that, so my uncle's a. Uh, we've talked about this before. My uncle's a Cree Indian. Um, uh, his words, not mine. Um, <laughs> He he's probably a millionaire. Like it's really hard to say. He has a very successful carpentry business. He builds a lot of houses and stuff. Um, but he had to work his absolute ass off. But yeah, to get anywhere to compete with any white dude's company. You know what I mean, like he shows up and like he shows up to a dude who's like freelancing a project. Yeah, and and you know. The only reason he's where he is now is because he just keeps pursuing stuff because he would show up to jobs um, and, you know, the guy would hire the white dude at, you know, 30 percent higher price with half the half the crew because he didn't want a, quote, lazy native or lazy Indian, let's be honest, uh, working on the project. Wow. But I'm and I'm I'm trying to approach this from let's let's call it an academic curiosity. I like because you said earlier that you know uh, immigrants and now we're adding um, Aboriginal people to the category as well. They have a substantially higher, uh, steeper hill, let's say, uh, to climb than let's say the rest of us, right? Yeah. My question is is. Is that like, is that a condition for long-term success down the road? Because you've seen, you know, Scottish, Irish, Italian immigrants into the West um, have to go through similar battles. Not the same, but they've had to go through their own private war uh, to become, you know, basically the dominant class or the dominant, uh, the dominant ethnic group if you want to call it that uh, now i'm curious as to is, is that a condition for long-term success that you have to be a stranger in a foreign land or a stranger in a strange land kind of thing right um I, like, i'm just genuinely curious um it, it's it's a different situation maybe entirely you're, obviously you're referring for to the scottish and the irish right Scottish and the Irish and, the, and, and Italians to an extent as well. And Ukrainians. And Ukrainians. What they, what they all share in common is they're white. And um, Germans. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It is, you know, we might we might it look helps. down on the U.S. for their uh, racial issues. Um, but they are very much existent here. Like. A hundred percent. It's just, it's just targeted differently. Um, yeah. We don't tend to have the same deep-seated racial issues with um, with black Canadians, uh, African Canadians, whatever you want to call them. Um, <clears throat> we do certainly have them uh, with both the East Indian and the Muslim community and the natives. Um, the difference is they can't 
change their name, learn the language, and blend in. <clears throat> Which is what the Scots and the Irish, who are still a major part of the population in in uh, in Quebec, did. Yeah. But you know, two generations on, you wouldn't know it because they're all just French dudes with but weird I mean, Irish and Scottish names. What? Did, so then that begs the question: Is two generations from now will it become, you know? Sim, I, I can't. I don't know how. I I don't know I how think, to phrase this. I think it depends on who becomes the the dominant economic power. Um, you think that's what it has? So to there do, there or? was a motion in the U.S. and we might have talked about this before. I, th- but there was I a, think we're pretty accepting. Sorry to interrupt, uh, but I think we're actually relatively accepting of. Okay, the winds of change are going in this direction. We're taking we're taking a lot of immigration into the country. There's a the higher density of of ethnic minorities in obviously certain spots, but people are starting to spread out. And there was a one the common joke that was made at least over the last ten years is that everyone's gonna look brown anyway. Right? Um that's just that's just genetic fact uh yes. at a certain point. But um, the the fact is I I I don't think so. Um okay. we still have so there was a motion in the US a couple of years ago, and it never really went anywhere because Trump got elected. Um, and I think it would—I think it would do us uh, well here, uh, where uh, when you submit a resume for a job, uh, you're automatically assigned a number, and your name is not on the resume, because what was found in studies in basically all over the world is if you had all the qualifications of anyone else, but your name was Tyrone Jamal Jones third, or, you know, uh, LaQuisha, whatever, you were less likely to get called for an interview. And significantly so. Significantly less likely. And that's uh, well, racial Muhammad bias. Muhammad al-Muhammad kind of, yeah, yeah. I see what so, you're saying. That so it was, said. It was a racial bias. So the, 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 the thought was, when you submit a resume, your name's not on it. Your contact info is... Uh, but you're automatically issued a a number um, that that goes to your resume file that is blind allocated to your email address and phone number, so you can't be looked up. So the person reading your resume who says, "Okay, I want to interview this person," has absolutely no idea who's about to walk through the door. Right. So it's it's a it's a program designed to. <laughs> create eliminate bias yeah that and and create a hiring process based on merit alone yes commendable which is however which is frankly how hiring should be done absolutely however there is a problem there is a there is a flaw in that system and it's that the origin point like uh, the, the people who are applying for those jobs by and large the majority of them are are going to have the opportunities available to them to be able to succeed, right? So, and uh, most of those people yeah. are probably going to be white Caucasians. You know what right. I'm saying? This isn't, this isn't a problem that's gonna that, that's gonna resolve itself in three years. This is a generational problem. So, so it's a long term solution as opposed so to a short term. What's the first problem. step on? What's the first step on a university student? applicant or job applicant being um, successfully accepted to a high range internship internship having generally enough generally speaking it is uh, having enough money 
your parents are somebody, right? <laughs> well, that, your parents have money. How did your parents get money? They got a high-paying job, right? Yeah. So this isn't a problem that's going to resolve itself in a generation, but in a generation, your parents could have got that job they never would have gotten because her mom named her Laquisha. Okay. So it's 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 leveling the playing field in the long term. We all know those who come from wealth tend to accumulate more wealth, right? Well, yeah. To those who have nothing, more will be taken. To those who have everything, more will be given. Well, the strong will do what they will, and the weak will suffer what they must. <clears throat> That's the Pareto distribution principle, I think. is uh, It's another Jordan Peterson thing that I'm referencing because I'm my, my, my quotes from Thucydides and it was yeah give me a sec I'm just going to go on mute for a second here because I got to pour some water okay well you can pour water with it I don't care if you're on mute or not okay stuff we missed hey here's a question uh, I'm, I'm I'm assuming you're still listening is uh how many people, and this is a complete gear change, how many people do you know actually know how to fucking make proper scrambled eggs? My assumption is very little. What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> you fluff them with a whisk, you add some milk. Or you be a man and you put hot sauce on whatever abortion you just created and you carry on with your life. No, there's a proper way of doing it, my friend. I don't care. No, this is not interesting to you nor anybody. Well, it might be interesting to some people. If you want to make proper scrambled eggs, you don't necessarily have to use milk. But the idea is you want to make them nice and fluffy, so you need you bubbles. Them. Yeah, you, you can whisk, whisk them. them. Yeah, you can whisk them. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is you take a little bit of butter instead of milk, and you put it in. Uh, you put it in your frying pan. You put your frying pan on low heat because you cook scrambled eggs on low heat, not high. Gotcha. And you let the you let the butter melt to a point where it becomes frothy and bubbly, and then you throw your eggs in, and you use a spatula to push the eggs to the center. Well, of the I am I am le French. If you want to ask, if you want to understand why French cuisine is so delicious, it's because there's a stick of butter in literally everything you just ate. That steamed yeah. broccoli, stick of butter. Oh, absolutely. I totally get it. That's what makes things so much more delicious: is the fat and the salt. I get it. So it's, it's it's delicious. Well, so it makes it rich anyway, yeah. Yes. But that's what stick I've been butter. doing. That's what I've been doing. Just putting a stick of butter in my scrambled eggs, as you say. I have been I have been cooking six pieces of thick sliced bacon, and then frying my eggs in the bacon grease with the top on, so it's kind of like semi poached. And then you put oh. that shit on. So you put that shit on bread with. Uh, with uh, with some mayonnaise and some hot sauce, you got yourself a fried egg sandwich. That is a heart attack in the making. That sounds delicious. And then Oof. I can go for a now run. Now I'm hungry. And then you go for a run. Good for you, man. Because I have to after yeah. that. <laughs> oh, just for that? Just for that. No kidding. You can't eat that and pretend like, oh, no, it's okay. I, I only <laughs> ate two meals today. It's a low-calorie day. So no, I don't need to do too much cooking, but I, I I take pride in cooking. Like, I, I like, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the, I, I don't know, it's, you call it therapy or whatever, but like the, I, the act of 
preparing meals and then completing them and then i even like the presentation side of it i don't like having slop on a plate i like actually having it done right but i haven't actually been able like i've been able to cook a couple times here at uh, my mother-in-law's place but uh the the meals that she prepares are excellent like and she's a german she's a she's from germany uh originally and so she does like proper schnitzel she does oh it's so good she's just a she's a proper german cook uh it's it's we've been eating well too well here i would say but yeah 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 it's good Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here it is, the conclusion to the March to the Scaffold. Remember when I was talking in the first dram of this series about the Idée Fixe? This is the part of the song where our protagonist is finally at the scaffold of his own imagined execution for murdering the object of his love and desire. Just before the blade comes down, he gets a brief vision of his beloved, and then chop! There it is. There goes his head, tumbling down from the scaffold, and there was much rejoicing and merriment over his own death in his dream. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club.